the creative process is a place where I can learn to give my intuition space to exist in any form that it takes. And that is very liberating in the things that I make. And it's also very liberating for me to feel safe in the world, being the weirdo that I am and just being authentic. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Weirdo Podcast, because today's weirdo is tomorrow's genius. Joining me in today's episode is Jesse Sussman. Jesse is an artist, musician, and writer. He's also founder of nonprofit record label 10 Million Sounds, which has the dual mission of promoting underrepresented artists while also fundraising for charity. One of the motivating factors for me in starting this podcast was to explore my relationship to creativity. It's a relationship that's changed and evolved over the years. In the past, my creative work has been a means of seeking external validation, and it's also been an excuse to beat myself up. It wasn't until the rude awakening of burnout a few years ago that I began to see how unhealthy this relationship to my creative work was. Jesse is someone who's also struggled with his relationship to creativity and gained a lot of deep insights and wisdom in the process. In this conversation, we share our experiences of untangling the web of insecurity and self-criticism and using creative expression as a tool for healing. If you've ever judged yourself or compared yourself unfavorably to others, and I'm guessing you have because that's kind of what humans do, then I think there may be something helpful for you here. So let's get into it. My conversation with Jesse Sussman. I always get a little bit nervous before sure, doing totally. a podcast, but for the, I think in, in this particular case, for some reason more so, because I just feel like, you know, this is the stuff that you talk about on your Instagram is, is the kind of things that, you know, I I've attempted to sort of express and articulate yeah. some of those ideas, but, but you've, you know, you've got it down. Like you've clearly, you know, put Thank a lot you. of time into really, you know, doing, obviously it takes, doing the work to kind of like get those insights, but also I think there's a real yeah. skill in actually translating it. And also from a creative person's perspective as well, you know, I think there's, 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 there's plenty of sort of, you know, wisdom quote unquote out there. Uh, but a lot of it can tend to be a little bit, especially in the social media world, it can be a little oh, bit yeah. sort of bland and just sort of general positivity stuff. But yeah, you know, when, when it really gets into the specifics about talking about like, you know, creativity and how that's tied up in self-worth and all that kind of thing. It's, um, uh, yeah, it spoke to me anyway. So I just felt like I, I would love to get you on the show and get some insights. I really appreciate that. And likewise, I mean, let me tell you, this isn't the path that I wanted to go down and it wouldn't, there was so much frustration about uh, not being able to make the things that I really wanted to make for so many years that I had to f focus more on the relationship of how frustrated and how much despair and anger I felt at not being able to articulate something that felt like it was on the tip of my tongue, but was actually needed me to confront the relationship that I had with myself before I could make any of the art that really spoke to me. So 
I thought it was going to be about making the art of the kind of genius that I wanted to put out into the world and that I thought maybe I could tap into at some level, but it forced me to, you know, confront all my beliefs about why I can't do what I want to do, but feel like I have the potential to do. And then the relational process of me um, looking at my art, it's really just me looking at myself and how much it's a mirror for a lot of the things that I have to uh, accept and that I don't want to accept. And it started a long process of just trying to figure out why I couldn't accept it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I totally relate. I mean, in a way it's, it's what came to mind when you were talking there is in, in a weird way, that's kind of what the creative process is, right? It's sort of like rolling with the punches and like having an idea about something but realizing that there's a, you know, there's a million obstacles in the way. And it's actually like, rather than sort of just hitting the first obstacle and stopping, it's, it's learning how to move with it and go with it. And, you know, cause we're all struggling with our limitations in terms of our skills or, you know, how everyone has ideas. I think everyone has tons of ideas, but then there's this sort of uh, a kind of a, a a gray zone between all these amazing oh, yeah. ideas and, and how do I actually get it out in the world? And I think even people, even people like me and, and you have been studying sort of specific kind of crafts and art forms in order to express that. It's still like every time it's like this constant thing of hitting a wall and then, yeah. but, but kind of in order to sort of keep going with it. And it is, a, it's a process, right? It's not, it's not an out creativity is an, is a process, not an outcome. So it's, it's, that's, that's basically what it is. It's not the thing you put out. It's the process of actually rolling with it and just finding and finding a way. And in a way that's life too, right? It's oh like, yeah. I mean, those are the, I love that. Cause that's that, that level of adaptability that you're talking about opens so many doors creatively. And also as a person, I mean, things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. And before I feel like the default state that we all go through is to try harder when it doesn't go the way that you want it to go. But there is a way to adapt along the way. And that's experimenting. You don't know what the final outcome is going to be, but you can get inspired by the ways that it didn't go the way that you expected it to go. And then it can become liberating because you're not aimlessly trying to figure out how to get behind the one locked door. You're being able to chart down a path that has never been charted down before by you and you can find things that you'll never have known existed along the way of going through all the difficult emotions because it's there's one thing of having insights and then there's another thing of being able to apply those insights in your process and though i mean that wouldn't be possible for me without therapy and a lot of other things to confront the confusion that i felt and learn how to kind of nurture it and parent it in a healthier way than, than I had before. Is, is it similar to you? Because the adaptability you're talking about, from my experience, takes a long time to get comfortable with before you get to that point. I think from my perspective, in one sense, it's always been there. And I think yeah. in, in one sense, it's kind of innate. You know, it's kind of like kids, you watch kids and they're, they're just that that's what they do all day is they, they create the experiment like they're in the process like constantly so in, so in the sense it's like there's that um but then there's there's a kind of 
I think there's just the sort of there's a tension between that natural instinct to create and then the, the sort of construct that we we kind of live by that we're sort of educated in this it, it, it's just a very like left brain oriented society right so so creativity is always seen as as a sort of you know one little box in this you know sort of big framework when really in some sense creativity is is kind of like half of the whole it's half of the brain it's half of life in a sense like yes we need the logical rational structural side but just as much we need that like you know, fluid potentiality, experimentation, like non-rigid, like way of experiencing life, and and I think that's probably the the, the challenge that a lot of us face is that we we really push down the, the the left brain route, right, and and even be you know even being a creative person, you're still kind of like navigating in this very structured logical world. So I don't know if this is answering your question. <laughs> Maybe this no, is going it, on a bit of a tangent, but I know um, what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, like, and I think that's where a lot of, um, I mean, this, the, I guess there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to it, but you know, a lot of the stuff that comes up around, you know, judgment, self-judgment and, and, you know, self-criticism and all of that, it, it feels very tied up in all of that logical stuff because it's kind of this idea that, you know, everything is if everything is logical so if it doesn't work it just means you have to do more or do hard you know work harder which works in you know in certain areas of life but in in the, in the creative world in that in that left brain world it, it it doesn't work like that right and it's and we all need it uh, however much we we you know however much you, you maybe identify as being a logical person or you know creative person i think we all we need that balance and and being a creative, maybe someone who's more left brain dominated, uh, it can be also be a challenge to sort of fit into that structured world too, right? You know, like doing just doing taxes and stuff like that as a you know oh, yeah. self employed like uh, designer and just little things like that. You know, it's getting organized. I know a lot of a lot of people I work with have trouble with those things that should be simple, but it's because we're we're like we spend we want to spend our time in this more ethereal kind of like you know potential space and it's 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 yeah it's 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 a whole kind of i feel like it's a whole balancing act of relearning how to sort of let those two live together not pushing one away or the other and just but just respecting that both are important equally important and just kind of letting it kind of blend together again i suppose for one of a better way of expressing it totally and that's that's like an integration instead of when you're in the beginning you have maybe express a certain level of creativity, which like you said, can deviate from the norms of how we're taught to act and you know what society pushes down as what's acceptable. There's a common experience of learning that when we express ourselves in a way that is authentic, that that is not acceptable. So then we try to conform into just becoming somebody who gets good at filling out our taxes. Like you said, it's like, but at the same time, it's like, you know, as a, somebody who enjoys creativity, that feels like a, an enclosed space. So why would we want to be in an enclosed space when we know that there's a whole world to explore, like a sandbox video game, an open world RPG that we can just go and, and find things that look more beautiful than the inside of a room could ever look. Uh, so there's, I, I really like your point about a certain amount of it being innate 
And then there's also a certain amount of conditioning that we learn to cover up that beautiful part of us that feels innate because it doesn't feel safe to express. So then the work maybe for us and anyone else who wants to create or be authentic as themselves in the world is to learn how to get more awareness over where the fact that the conditioning that we've absorbed is not our fault because all the math problems we learn in school are solved for X. And so as if, as if everything works up in that logical equation. So as you were saying before, our first inclination when we struggle is that it's our fault, Yeah. but it's also possible to be born into a world that does not appreciate a certain innate level of creativity because that deviates from a certain level of conformity or, or whatever. It almost doesn't matter what the motives behind that conditioning is just that we get conditioned that way. And then we have to figure out, no, this isn't something that I need to be ashamed of. This can be some of the roots for the deepest connection I can have with myself. And it doesn't have to be a straight line. It can be totally exploratory and something that we don't do because we want to achieve a certain outcome or get certain needs met, even though meeting those needs is important. Uh, the art can start to resent the pressure that we have from that conditioning and not being able to meet those needs. Is it, does any of that uh, resonate with you? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I mean, the, I think the, the 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 part that that comes through also from you know looking at your a lot of your quotes and stuff like that. A lot of the time, I feel like it comes down to just acceptance, right? Just like just allowing stuff to be, because so much, so much of the the sort of torment, you know, and that sort of even that like there's that sort of cliche of the, the tortured artist, right? It's yeah. like, but it's all, it's all internal. It's all just comes from that, like inability to just be okay with, you know, and, and, and I guess that comes through understanding too, right? Like to a certain extent, yeah, it, by understanding where that stuff comes from, by understanding the conditioning, I think that frees you up then to sort of be, oh, okay, maybe I don't have to fight this thing in order to, to be creative. Maybe I can actually, maybe if I allow this in that it could actually somehow contribute. And, and I think that's a sort of, it's like ongoing process, right? That's there's always these things that come up and you're just like, ew, like get away yeah. from me. <laughs> and no matter how many times you've gone through that process and realized that once you've actually kind of, you know, allowed it in and integrated it, that it's suddenly something beneficial, you know, like, like how I, 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 talked about on the, the the first episode of the podcast, like how much I sort of resented myself for years for being shy and introverted. And it's only recently that I've, I've been able to like turn that, turn it around and be like, well, hang on. If I, if I didn't have that, if I wasn't shy, then I might not be doing this work that I love. I might be doing some, you know, some job that I hate somewhere. Um, so yeah, there's always something, there's always something there. But hey, so, I know we've got, we've kind of I know we're just like diving into like some really awesome stuff. But I, I don't want to because I and I also don't want to I don't want this podcast to be me talking all the time. I would love to also kind of hear a little bit about your journey. You know, how did you sort of get to where you are now? I know you're you're a musician, um, but could you tell the audience a little bit about your 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 process? Uh, you know, how how did you come to be where you are? In as much uh, detail as you like. Cool. Um, long story, uh, but to distill it down, 
wanted to be a musician, started making electronic music uh, about 10, 11 years ago, um, had some glimmers of uh, satisfaction doing it, and then got to a point where I felt so much frustration and overwhelm over not being able to create the things that I wanted to, that I stopped making music for seven years. I had one song that I felt like was going to save me in the sense of this is the best thing I'm ever going to make. This is going to prove to others that I am the person that I think I am and that my work should be taken seriously at this level. Um, I essentially put all of my unmet emotional needs onto this one song and so that it became paralyzing and that there's nothing I can do. There's no, there's nothing I could actually do that would have been correct in that moment because I was just pinning all my hopes and dreams on one project that was about 60% done. And I still listen to that song. Sometimes I still haven't finished it. And there's something there. It's one of the favorite things I've ever made, but it was a sign to me that something was wrong. So, and what this would look like in theory would be trying to sit down and make something that would be a masterpiece, the best song of all time and being unable to do that. And then going playing call of duty and eating pizza and just feeling intense amounts of shame while trying to win some first person shooter and be the best there because I couldn't be in music. <laughs> so that was, that was one element of the story. Um, and then that led me to go to therapy, start analyzing and maybe realizing that a lot of the struggles I had in the creative process were struggles that I had with myself as a person that were just manifesting in the creative process. And then let's, let's fast forward a few years. Um, I started getting really excited about writing because writing could be a way to analyze the creative process and the struggles that I had as a musician. And so I wrote a letter to myself um, that was called Stop Trying to Write Your Masterpiece. And it was essentially saying, look, man, I know you want to do good things. I know you want to make things that other people are going to like, um, but a lot of it is coming from your burning need to be accepted. And that's okay. That's a normal human need that you have. Embrace it. But you're putting so much eggs in one basket of thinking that music is going to be this savior for you when a lot of the confusion that you're experiencing during the creative process is based on beliefs of who you think you need to be, uh, beliefs on the art you need to make. Art was a pure thing for me when, it was, when I was a child and I was finger painting or I was just working on a song or something. But it eventually got corroded or... Um, you know, like a vinegar dropped in water for me, where it became a dark place because it was full of so much straining. And then fast forward, I would put out maybe four essays a year that I would be proud of. And then, uh, you know, what thinking that I was a writer and identifying with that. And there's a part of this process where you identify with your art so much and you're the only thing that I feel like I could ever be understood through is through my art. So I'm a writer, I'm a musician, but at the same time, there's an intense level of pressure and torment uh, because I'm unable to articulate the things that I feel. And then the whole process becomes a threat to my whole identity. So I, of course, I don't want to do it, but then I beat myself up for not wanting to do it because who am I if I'm not the artist or writer that I feel so deeply um, that I am. So then so let's keep fast forwarding. Um, started getting back into music, 
and eventually, let's say about six months ago, started sharing my writing uh, online. I know I've jumped from music to writing, but the whole part is that art eventually became a process of me learning to trust my own decision-making instead of uh, shaming myself for expressing something that I didn't think was acceptable. And that is a lot. Um, it's not just related to the creative process. There's a lot of relationships, a lot of therapy, a lot of um, deep internal work that, that takes place that is never going to be finished, but came to a place of learning to feel safe in my own authentic expression as a human being that then comes through in the art. To, to finish this off, about six months ago, I started feeling uh, excited enough and safe enough to share my writing online about creativity. The writing is about the creative process, but that's really just about the process of accepting yourself as a human being, first and foremost, as a person, and then simultaneously in the creative process, because that just seems like an apt metaphor. So thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's really interesting. I, I can feel a lot of parallels, you know, in, in, in a lot of what you're saying. Like, I'm curious if there was any, was there any sort of specific kind of uh, flashpoints, you know, like epiphanies or, or kind of breakdowns or anything that, that sort of took you down this road? Or was it more of a, a sort of a, a gradual process? Definitely a gradual, I think both. Um, the one thing that got really exciting for me was when the pandemic started, actually. And I think that uh, parallels with um, eventually working up to share my writing. But I started getting excited by art, um, visual art. And one part of the story I didn't mention before was that I went to a, I was a visual arts major in high school, but I almost got kicked out of the program for not being good enough. And I didn't find that out until later that I was almost kicked out. But uh, the teacher had called my dad and said, hey, uh, I've seen his work. You know, he's just not, he might not have the talent. And then I just spent hours working on one assignment to prove that I could make up for a lack of talent with an overemphasis on detail. <laughs> so that was one way of compensating. But that put something in me that basically said, yeah, I'm not enough as a person. And I'm always going to need to uh, find ways to make up for that inherent uh, lack of something. But when the pandemic started, um, I started getting back into visual art because that was a medium that I could explore without expectations. All the expectations for me had been in music and writing. And then I'd come back enough time had elapsed between that experience in high school that art could be something that I could explore and just experiment and have fun with. So I did 30 days of making something and sharing it on my Instagram, which is just, um, it could be anything. It didn't have to be, um, the, the whole idea of doing it in 30 days was to get rid of the perfectionist tendencies that I had, um, or to at least learn to observe it. It just felt important. Can I share something every day for 30 days when before I had only been um, sharing four essays a year because I would need to have such a high threshold in order to say this is okay to put out into the world. So doing that enough basically made it easier for me to share my work, which made me want to share it more because that's an authentic expression that I can do and it's rewarding and it's challenging. And I, there are things I could put out into the world that can resonate with other people. That's fantastic. And then that got me to a point where 
I felt comfortable enough sharing that I could start sharing my writing, which was the thing that's the closest uh, medium to my actual thoughts that exist. And then to see that resonate with people at a level that can help them through their creative process, that's icing on the cake. This is stuff I would be doing by myself, even if nobody was listening. Um, and it's just funny that it's a more about relating to the process of living and creating more than what I thought it would be for so long, which is what is going to be something that somebody hears and thinks is a wonderful song. Yeah, I can uh, can re resonate a lot with that as well. I'm just like, um, I mean, I, I guess like I've spoken a little bit before about I I had a like a pretty intense experience that sort of um, started me, well, focused me a lot more on this kind of um, this kind of thing for one of a better expression. I mean, I, again, yeah. I think it was it's also been a, a longer process for me, but. I had a, in, in 2016, I had a, a, a project that, that very, was felt very similar to how you were describing that piece of music, that it was sort of like a, a big break in a way. It was a, it was a, a chance to direct a big car commercial. So it, for me, it was like a big step up and it was sort of like, I put so much um, expectation on it. You know, it was like this thing oh, of yeah. like, you know, this is it. If I do a good job here, then I've arrived, you know, I'm done. You know, I'm like, I, then I'm a proper director and, you know, then life is done. Basically, you know, the, the way that the, the, the mind frames these things sometimes is very, I mean, it's in, in hindsight, it's really ridiculous, but I was really, I was so bought into this idea that, I mean, in the beginning I was enjoying it. It was like great challenge. It was like, uh, you know, but by the end it was just, um, yeah, I was, I was really, I was so tied up enmeshed in, in, in the success of the project. And, and so it didn't matter how good it was in the end, like it would never have lived up to, you know, this idea of perfection. And um, I basically just, I just kind of collapsed in a way after once yeah. it was not even immediately afterwards, but um, like I started with, with like, started with, with like stomach pains and, um, and, and over a period of about six months deteriorated to the point where I was like, I, I was completely emaciated. Like I'd lost like tons of weight. I'd lost, like, I had no energy and, and I, and I was just like, you know, I had no, it was, it was almost like someone had sucked my life force out. It was yeah. like, I did, I didn't even have really, I was still working for a lot of that time, but I had no passion. I was just showing up and just going through the motions and, um, yeah. And it kind of, it had, it got to the, you know, it was all, I kept on thinking, well, you know, I've, I just, I've overdone it. I'll just take it easy. You know, I'll just eat right and it, it'll write itself. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I was actually like getting really scared. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm still losing weight and I'm like a skeleton now, like what's going to happen. You know, yeah. like my skin started turning yellow and it was like, and, and there was no, there was no uh, diagnosis. Like there was nothing, there's nothing that any doctors could find wrong with me. Like, uh, so it, it, I guess it just, it was just that, that sort of thing of, I guess it accelerated a process that was already going on where I was starting to think about, I, I guess part of me knew that like I was kind of looking for, you know, I was looking for love in the wrong places, so to speak. Like I was, I was, I was never going to get this thing, but it, it forced me to look much more closely at it. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm 
I'm ready to, it took a lot, but I was like, okay, maybe I'll have to quit this job. Maybe I'll have to quit this career. You know, maybe, maybe my life will never, maybe I'll, you know, all of the things I took for granted, maybe they're going to go away. And it, that, that sort of, I think it took that, it like letting go of expectations is basically what it was. And that allowed me then to, to, to really start to allow some of these insights in that, you know, hang on a minute, I can be happy without like this, you know, this prize, like I can, all the things I need are already here. Uh, all of that stuff, you know, it, it's sort of, it was kind of a very like uh, sort of intense lesson, I suppose, in that. And, and ever since then, I've sort of, you know, I, I mean, I got just, I got back into doing what I, what I do and I still love it. And I still have those, like, I still feel that like real intense kind of need to like, to, to, to get the approval through the work and stuff like that. But, it, but, you know, I'm more, I'm more aware of it now. And, and I think talking, you know, just talking about it and, and sharing it with other people, because I know that everybody else, you know, in, at least in the creative world, you know, industry, if not, you know, everybody, I think can relate on some level to that, to that like basic sort of uh, yeah desire for, you know, for, for something, you know, for some, it's more, more about approval. Some it's more about status or it's all, you know, money or whatever it is, but it's still kind of like this thing of once I've got this thing, then, and, uh, and we can also talk about it a lot all day. Right. Intellectually. It's yeah, of course, you know, you know, that's stupid to just, you know, seek money and seek like approval, but there's, there's one thing to sort of understand it. And there's another thing to actually realize that, you know, this whole, this whole, body mind thing is just doing its thing and it's going to keep doing that you know and it's only through being aware and, and bringing those unconscious things into awareness that you can actually start to like see some shifts man i mean that's that's an incredible story and i'm, I'm i can only i mean i can imagine the heartbreak that you're going through during that process of seeing your body break down and the experience of uh I mean, that's, that's, that resonates so deeply with me because it's, it speaks to a, a similar frame of thought that you're talking about, which is, okay, what is going to bring me happiness is behind some paywall, whether I need to give money to get to the other side or not. Sometimes it's, for you, it sounds like it was, I need to, once I have this car commercial and it gets uh, done, then I am going to arrive somewhere, the doors are going to be opened and then I might never feel some of the insecurities that I currently feel. Mm -hmm. And when we're going through those insecurities, it's like, that's such a tempting way to think about it. And it's such a natural way to think about it, especially when um, a lot of our institutions and culture and marketing that we absorb unconsciously uh, since birth is predicated on buy this product and have your, you know, buy this vacuum cleaner and you'll always feel clean for the rest of your life. I mean, it's, it's what were the seeds of thought that are planted into our brains uh, that we just need to solve our unconscious, like a math equation, and then we'll be good or just deny that the unconscious exists at all. But like you're saying, it's almost like you going through that heartbreak opens the potential to realize that the unconscious exists and that it might be, have the potential to be an ally instead of something that needs to be repressed. And then when you start making more art, you can use it as a partner in your experimenting process. And 
when you talked about the life force being sucked out of you, I can totally relate. And, but the unconscious um, at a certain point can maybe be a place you can garner some of that life force from, especially when we're able to have, feel safe enough to invite it in to, to play with our creativity. Totally. Totally. It's, it's like the, um, that it's that, it's that logical thing again, right? Like going back to, you know, cause it's like the, the logical approach is, you know, one plus one equals two. So, you know, like I do this and then I get that. And that is true in some ways, but it's, you know, but in, in a way it's, it's also antithetical to the sort of the nature of creativity, the nature yeah. of, because creativity by definition is sort of like, has to be something new. So it, it can't be an equation. It has to be like, you know, outside of that but it's just hard to grasp, you know, with the mind. And, and, but then the funny thing is, you know, grasping that like actually leads to more creativity. I think real, you know, sort of embracing the fact that, you know, it is uncertainty, like creativity by, again, by its nature is uncertainty. Like you can't put expectations on it because it's not, you know, it's not a sequential thing. It's not a, it's not an equation. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I think that's a, it's a really, um, it's a, it's a really sort of poignant, I think like that for me in the, the industry that I work in, at least, you know, it's sort of, it is a bit of a blend of, of this sort of create the logical and the, and the creative minds, because there's quite a, you know, there's same with music and I guess with everything, you know, there's a technical aspect. So it's, it's, it's not all about just having creativity. It's, it's like being able to balance the two. And there's something about that, um, that sort of that relationship, I think, which it can be really, it's in some ways, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a sort of a, a violent, like a, you know, like, like a domestic violence thing, right. Where it's two, two oh, people yeah. that love each other. They can't live without each other, but they can't be together either. And, and it often feels like with me and, and a lot of people that I, I know that, that there often seems to be this sort of uh, in, in some ways it feels like a struggle. It's like, you know, I want to be creative, but I have to, you know, I have to meet my deadlines and I have to pay my bills and, and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's sometimes it just feels like a, a, a real kind of, uh, balancing act. And, it, and when you, I, I mean, the, the metaphor of the abusive relationship is, is sometimes very apt because it's, when you are together and when you are inspired and when you're able to create something, um, it's passion. It's, that's like the relationship that has glimpses of passion, but the rest of the time it's wrought with abuse and um, just for the, the person who creates and has that passionate experience. Obviously, we're only talking about all of this happening in the mind of one person. So they are they can sometimes tap into this magical place and then all the other times feels like the inverse of that magical place. And if we're looking at, you know, an equation, the absolute value of the, uh, the magical place deviated away from zero, it feels like it's the exact opposite of that same grand magic, but in negative numbers, <laughs> because sometimes if you know the magic exists, then the absence of that magic feels like torment. And because you're trying to claw your way back to that magic. So I think uh, for the people that are struggling through that, um, and I still struggle through that a lot of the time, um, I think there's going to be a way there's, this is lifelong stuff that we're committing to. Um, but 
seeing this cycle play out more gives you maybe a little bit more awareness of that this is a similar cycle that takes place because I'm, we're coming on this podcast, right? Before, you know, thank you again for inviting me. And like 10 minutes before, of course, I'm like, dude, I don't have anything to say. Like, this is going to be a total letdown for him. Like he, he invited me. He likes my writing. Uh, I like his podcast. I'm getting really excited listening to his podcast because I think we're going to, you know, we're like two kids that felt weird when we were younger. And now we're getting able to sit at the same lunch table that we always wanted to be at with somebody who felt the things that we felt, but at the same time felt like they were uniquely deficient and alone and could had to can feel some kind of creative potential within them, but needs to shun that in order to get their other emotional needs met. And that's a terrible place to, to be. Um, but it reminds me of this one quote that kind of started opening a lot of doors for me, which is by Carl Rogers, the psychologist, uh, what is most personal is most universal. So I love that because that's just a lot of the things that we experience uniquely. And before somebody can tell us, by, you know, having a podcast like you're doing and opening the door to these unique experiences, you have a semblance that you're the only person that's experiencing this and that you are the cause and the effect for why you're experiencing this. So you're pointing the, the finger at yourself for existing and not existing in the way that is appropriate and uh, not being able to go back to what is expected of you and not knowing what to do with your confusion. But that is very liberating. That has been very liberating for me because then that might be the most common thought that exists is that I am uniquely broken. So true. And I think that can't be said enough. Like, I, I think that's, um, you know, I, I try and express that as well. I, I mean, first of all, like, thank you for, for opening up and, you know, for saying that, how, how you were feeling beforehand. And I should also say that I had exactly the same feelings. <laughs> I was thinking like, ah, oh, who am I? Like this chump, I don't know how to interview people. I'm going to like, I'm going to totally blank and it's going to be a total waste of his time and, and all of that stuff. Like, it's really, really funny. Basically, it proves exactly the point you were saying. <laughs> and and it, it's it's so true. Like it's, it's proven so true for me. And it, <clears throat> in many ways, you know, I think, since since that experience that I had and and it kind of it did sort of train change the my trajectory a little bit in terms of I started to you know I started to write I started to uh, give give talks um, and I mean one of the main reasons for doing that like yes I want to help people but I'm also doing it to help myself because oh, because yeah. there's something about sharing so you know those things that for so many years I thought was just me and it was just because I'm a fucking weirdo and everyone else is fine. And I really, above all else, I have to hide this thing because this is the one thing. This is like the kryptonite. If people find out what I'm really like, then, you know, I'm done. Right. It's like, if anyone yeah. knew what a fuck up I really was like, yeah. and it's, and it's that this sort of gradual peeling away of that I think just sharing it you know sharing little bits of those insecurities and then and that realization when somebody else resonates with it and it's like and you, and it's and it's like a it's kind of a, a mute the beautiful thing is it's like a mutual healing process right because it's like you know just you saying that that you were feeling like you know nervous before the the interview it's it's suddenly just like no, suddenly I feel, I don't feel like the weirdo anymore. You know, and suddenly it's like, oh, 
maybe we're all like that. Maybe we're all hiding, you know, stuff that we think is weird. And even sometimes it's stuff that we, that we just absolutely couldn't even possibly believe that anybody else could be having. I've definitely had feelings like that, where it's just like, there's definitely no one else in the world who's as fucked up as me. And like, because of X, you know, and now I re- realize that there's tons of people that are fucked up in that way. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and, and it's not even a, you know, it's part of, of being human that we're all kind of fucked up and it's okay (laughs) totally man and that's that's uh that's beautiful that you can now do something that you can now almost uh because i think what you're saying because i mean it relates so strongly with me and I, i can relate to this is that you're basically saying i have say i'm safe to exist in all the forms that i can take but when you when you're not at that point yet because and it's logical and and you can it's understandable why you would not be at that point um in the world that we live in and a lot of the individualism that you know there's a lot of factors that go into this uh that can help you realize that it's not your fault but this is in in psychology terms there's a term called disconfirming evidence so you have a belief that I am broken, I'm uniquely broken, I'm, I'm unworthy, I'm the worst person that exists. And that's, that is a thought process that a lot of suffering can kind of tunnel you into when you are experiencing a lot of confusion and pain. And you don't know why you're experiencing a lot of confusion and pain. But the only common factor that you can see through all that confusion is you. So you feel like you're the only constant through all this pain. So of course, you're going to think that you are the reason for that pain. Um, one thing that helped me realize that, uh, get out of that mess was that there was a lot of trauma that happened and then was stored in my body that then was being reenacted by certain kinds of flashbacks and, and uh, experiences that have affected the cells in my body at a level that is beyond any level of intellect or trying to rationalize away a certain kind of feeling. So no, it's happening at a much more fundamental level. And because I can understand it's happening biologically, I don't have to beat myself up as much for it. In fact, that is, you know, for somebody who had been through the things that I had been exposed to, it's almost more logical to accept. And as somebody who over-intellectualizes, that was one of the things that opened the door for me. But I like what you said about peeling away the, the layers of the onion, because it's like the creative process as a person and through the making of art feels like it's just, and, and people have different uh, views on this, but for me, it's how safe can I feel to explore the things that I want to feel because I didn't feel safe to explore that for so long. And it is so nourishing and rewarding to be able to, play in a world that not only did I think that I had the right or the, you know, the right to exist in, but now I can actually take the same uncertainty that was almost cannibalizing myself and turning it into something that can be nourishing and maybe even help others feel less like they are a burden in the world and maybe feel more comfortable stepping into their own weirdness and authenticity. Yeah, that's yeah. Th- that safety thing is is really it's really key, right? Like, do you have any um, 
do you have any kind of advice for people like how 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 would you go about like is, is there any kind of sort of steps people can take to like um create that safety um i have some thoughts but i'd rather ask you uh, and i'll come back to them but i'd rather ask you what were some of the points that you uh have been able to feel more of that because it sounds like in the beginning there was it was very unsafe before it became safe for you mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I did, I did, a, I, I sort of really dived head, you know, when I, when I had that experience, I really kind of, I, I guess I had sort of certain spiritual leanings in a way when I, from a young, like from when I was fairly young, like starting to meditate, I've never really been like religious or anything like that, but I've always had a, you know, a little bit of an interest, but, but very sort of still very rational, logical, you know, I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in magical fairies or God or anything like that. You know, it's just like I meditate and, and I, I was aware that there was maybe something a little bit more than just, you know, what, what is happening right now. So but I guess at that point it was like, I'll just try, you know, I'm, I'll try anything right now. So I was doing yeah. all kinds of stuff. I was doing like acupuncture. I was doing like rebirthing breath work. I was doing, uh, you name it, all kinds of, you know, plant, plant medicine, all kinds of stuff yeah. like that. So there was a lot of, I guess, kind of, you know, um, accelerated sort of um, self-discovery going on. Um, but, I, you know, I suppose the, um the sort of common threads, I suppose, the things that, that seem to be, you know, the things that seem to make the most sense and to work was, was, was really just about um, self-love, self-acceptance, yep. self-love. It actually, in fact, I, I think I could really kind of pinpoint one specific book that kind of started me along that journey, which was, which is called love yourself. Like your life depends on it by Kamal Ravikant. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, and it's, you know, it's, it's a fairly, it's not like a super woo woo book or anything like that. It, but it does talk about like looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you know, telling yourself, I love you. And that's the kind of thing that previously I w- wouldn't have touched with a stick, you know, be like, Oh yeah. What? what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy. I don't do that shit. Um, you know, but that, it was just like, yeah, I'll try anything now, you know? And, and so there was that thing, I think of, I I think just finding different ways to sort of, um, to express that, like, to, to just, just to kind of really feel what it's like to, to show compassion to myself, you know, to be like, whatever it is that I've done, whatever it is that I'm feeling like it's okay. Um, and that's something you really have to feel into, I suppose. Um, so in terms of like, you know, how, what that looks like, I think that could be different for everybody in some ways. Um, but I, I, I think, um, yeah, I wish I had like a better kind of, um, you know, cause it's easy just to say, oh, you should love yourself. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. but that doesn't doesn't really work right it's like especially when you hate yourself yeah yeah exactly yeah it's like i don't even you know i don't want to look at myself what are you crazy um which which is like which is very interesting because that's i don't you know i have the same experience with my art it's the times where i don't want to look myself in the mirror are the times i don't want to look at my art Mm -hmm. and the art is just reflecting back to me that all the things i don't want to see and that the parallels there are so enormous and and i think not talked about nearly as much as they should be Mm. because there's you know we see and 
certain amount of artists are celebrated as geniuses, which is like, that's an idealization of, of who they are. They might be creative geniuses, but they're still human beings. And not everything that they do, they're not gods that exist on a plane of reality above everybody else. I mean, that was a myth that I had in my head. And this is a myth that is propagated through so many aspects of the art world and our culture in general. When you think about celebrity culture, idolizing the ground that people walk on just because they're already popular and famous and successful, you can appreciate an artist without devaluing their humanity and knowing that they are, you know, just a, a person that has the same bodily functions that you do. And at the same time, it's ironic that that's coming from me being somebody who idealized so many of my uh, favorite artists uh, that, you know, I of course, if I idealized people at such a level, I would want to ascend to the same level they were at because that was the only way I could feel like I was worthy. So you, you asked questions about safety, getting to that place. I, and I think, I, and I, I like the answer that you had because it speaks, there is no easy answer to get that, to get to that point. It's a complex process that takes a lot of, uh, you know, for somebody who's in the self-hating sphere, which is, and self-hating is much more common than most people think. Um, there's a book I'd recommend, um, and reading this book isn't going to fix it for you, but it might give you some more insights onto why you hate yourself if you do. And it's okay to hate yourself. It's okay to have these experiences. Um, I think just validating that experience is, is very important. Um, the book is called Compassion and Self-Hate, and it's by a psychologist named Theodore Rubin. Um, amazing book. That book helped give me a template for why I was, um, I had so many, how much, so much self-hatred going on. Um, but at large, I think you can't go from hating yourself to loving yourself. I think you have to go from hating yourself to tolerating yourself to entertaining the possibility that you might be worthy of love and then slowly to the point of loving yourself. Um, and that sometimes for somebody who's in such a destructive, you know, a, a, a mode that feels so destructive, um, sometimes these affirmations can fall flat because not only are you telling me that I am, so if I feel like I'm negative 50, you're telling me that I can be 50. It's like, no, I have to work my way back to zero and accepting the neutrality of my existence before I can actually uh, feel the love that you're telling me to feel, you know? I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes that love, you know, self-love thing can be a really uh, sort of a turn off or, you know, in some ways a damaging thing because it, because it can reinforce the fact that, you know, like, I don't even know how to do that. Like how fucked up must I be, you know, when yeah. you're really right. It's like, that's that. And, and, you know, now you say it, I think it, it's, it's so much more about just getting to neutral, I think, you know, and, and I feel like I, I honestly think that the sort of natural like inclination is towards the positive. Like, I think we oh, are yeah. kind of wired that way. So we can kind of overcome the sort of, you know, whatever it is like, uh, you know, baggage that we're, that we're holding onto and just get back to zero then, you know, the rest will kind of take care of itself. But yeah, just, just even just, you know, being, I think just, and in some ways I would kind of classify that as, you know, if, if you're able to be with something in, in, in some way, I, I would also define that as, as love because, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, um, 
yeah, I feel that's, you know, that's basically how I would define love is just sort of, it's, it's life. It's just, it's what is. So it's kind of, you know, an absence of judgment. Um, but yeah, that's not an easy thing to come to. And it's, I think it can be a very gradual process of just, and it, and it certainly wasn't like a, you know, a, even, even with like, you know, some very kind of, you know, extreme stuff happening to me physically, it was still, you know, I, I it, in hindsight, it feels quite quick, but you know, I remember at the time it wasn't like there was, it felt, uh, you know, extremely, you know, long and painful at the time. So, um, and that's, that's, that's such an important point that you just made because, um, this, our culture propagates so many myths that, you know, like we were talking about the vacuum cleaner, um, that on the, that your human experience can be changed dramatically by making one decision or achieving one thing. And, um, there are certain things that can change your life significantly, but the framework of thinking that I'm going to arrive after one circumstance changes almost always leaves you back to where you started, whether you actually reach that thing or not. And to go back to what you were just saying about getting back to zero, um, before for so many years, I wanted to achieve a level of recognition and visibility and really just be understood by other people through my art that it became violent and uh, I was mad at myself for not being able to do that. I was extremely mad at myself. So my self-worth in that moment, in those moments were conditional. It was based on needing something to happen in order to feel good about myself. And it was probably impossible because it never would have achieved if I, if I did get that level of achievement, which I'm grateful that I didn't at the time because it would have been based on the idea that I need that to be successful or to feel good about myself. Um, then, so, okay. So going from there, though, the only part uh, that for me, plant medicine has been very helpful Um in feeling safer in my body physically that can then allow a lot of these other things to emerge because when your body is in survival mode, uh, it's just focusing on surviving. It's that's biology, but there was, um, a certain point then where, how can I love myself outside of any of art that I make and any achievement or success that it has? I feel like that process and that begins with tolerating yourself, um, has to take place independently of the art at some level, even though the art can help you get there. But um, getting back to zero is especially is extremely difficult, but requires you to, I think, go back to a level of unconditional love for yourself as a human being, not in needing to look in the mirror and love what you see, but accepting a certain level of your humanity that is less about you being a loving individual or somebody that's worthy of all the love that you might not feel and is more about, hey man, you're born into a world that you get no manual for. You're born into a world of humans that have never had a manual for this. Uh, you're born into a world that you have to learn how to be in your body. You know, You're basically thrust into a uh, a world that seems like science fiction with emotions that operate under your level of awareness and your conscious awareness is only one facet of the B 
being that you are and most of it is unconscious so a lot didn't of even, that didn't even ask to get born in the first place either right it's exactly like, that did great point that's you didn't sign I, I talk about it sometimes like you're added to a mailing list that you didn't sign up for <laughs> and you know it's it's when you get to that point I mean otherwise before many years ago and and, and still sometimes today it feels like you're just a floating ego in space that hasn't arrived at a level of worth to feel good about yourself. But there, how can you acknowledge your common humanity aside from all the achievement matrix that we have built up in our heads? Uh, how can you love yourself like a parent loves their child when they witness their birth um, and start to, in psychology, the term is reparenting. I think what we're talking about is the process of learning to parent yourself and love yourself for being a human in a world of confusion that you didn't ask for, uh, that you didn't ask to be born into. And at the same time, let me know if this resonates with you, will inevitably misattribute a certain amount of your suffering to your individual moral failings. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's part of the package, I suppose. Um, and I think that's probably where a, a lot of, but a lot, a lot of suffering comes in from that, not, not realizing that it's, you know, that oh, the, my pack, this package is defective because it's got all these flaws in it. And you're yeah. looking out into the world and seeing all of these seemingly perfect packages. And, um, but yeah, the, you know, when, when you start to actually, uh, uncover it, you, you, you realize, you know, that. I guess this, you know, the celebrity world is a kind of a good example of it, right? Or, you know, beautiful people with lots of money who are basically like the, you know, movie stars or whatever. I mean, they basically are the, that's, that's it. That's like, that's the pinnacle of life. And, um, you know, how many of them are really happy? Like how many stories do you read about them, you know, like having going off the rails and stuff like that. And, um, and in some way, I think there's, there's a lot of stories of people reaching, you know, a certain point of success and then, having a meltdown because, because it's like they've, they actually got somewhere and realized that it, you know, that's sometimes, you know, it could be the worst thing to actually achieve what you really wished for, you know, and realize that you're still the same person and none of that stuff has gone away. Yes. I mean, that's uh, to relate to that. That is some of the most heartbreak you can go through because, and, and it's weird because you are lucky to get to that point in one sense, because you can see that, what is behind that wall isn't what you thought would be behind that wall. But I remember there was a, a former life of mine in the music industry was I was an artist manager. And um, of course, because I, I pivoted to the business side after being so frustrated with my own music. So that was a, a step. And we got this one deal achieved. So he was a songwriter, um, is a songwriter. And I got the, the biggest check that I had gotten to that point in my life because we had landed one of his songs at a, you know, a higher level than we had anticipated. And that was the goal we had put everything towards. We had, you know, felt like this was going to be the dream and it did fulfill a certain dream, but I'll never forget how empty I felt when I was holding that check uh, in the middle of Broadway with all the cars going past me and everything, because even though it was nice to see the numbers on that check and be able to deposit it into my bank account, there was a hollowness because it was the opposite of what I thought I should be feeling. 
So I went into, into a deli and bought myself a ginger ale and drank it. And it was just, you know, I get this check and all I do is buy a ginger ale and I feel like shit. Like there has to be that not only was that one experience heartbreaking, but it also set a template in my mind that what I think is going to make me eternally happy might not make me eternally happy. Therefore, it makes more sense to um, expect a certain level of deviation when I achieve something. You know, there, there has to be a level of flexibility. Even if I'm working towards something, maybe the, the end result is not as life-saving or, you know, life-affirming or uh, meaningful there's a, there's a thought of thinking like it's getting into heaven at some level. I think yeah. you're probably unconscious. It's like, no, um, <laughs> the, the process of doing it is, is probably more important to just work towards something I believe in. And there's a certain surrendering that you have of what the outcome is going to be. And that's when my art started being more free because it was more a surrendering and a experimentation above the outcome which is not a switch that you flip in your head it's i am going to allow myself to create something because that's just the highest reflection of that i can honor my humanity right now is to create whatever i create and accept that i'm gonna sometimes hate it sometimes love it the judgment is almost independent of whether it has the right to exist or not and it always does because they all do, regardless of how I feel about it. Is it, is it, do you feel, when did you start to feel like you had that um, level of freedom in your work? That's a great question because, you know, I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on this kind of balance all the time and still working on it. Um, I mean, cause I, and I can look back at times, you know, even sort of, you know, earlier in my career where I had, you know, probably felt like I had more of that, where I was actually less, I, I feel like I, it was only sort of when I hit 30 that I, I maybe started feeling more kind of, um, you know, uh, career minded or sort of, you know, success minded in a way, like, because I think before, before then, I, I, I guess I was doing motion design, as it wasn't like my one thing, it was like, I, I was still kind of, drifting a little bit and doing other things. So when I did motion design, it was more like, it, it did feel free. It was more like a choice. And I think, you know, now that it, it's very much part of my identity and my career, then it, it, it's still difficult to sort of detach from that and, and just create a space where it's like, you know, it's okay. I can just create what I want and it doesn't really matter, you know, because because there's all like, there's, there is always that thing of like, you know, I'm getting paid money to deliver something. Um, so, I, I do still find that's a, that's a, you know, it's a challenge, but, but um, I, I love what you're saying about the, you know, the process. And, and I think that's probably the, you know, my, one of my biggest takeaways is it's that I'm, I'm inevitably going to get attached to the goal, like to the, to the outcome. Like I, I know that's going to happen every time I'm going to, I'm going to feel bad if it gets, you know, rejected or, you know, if I get every time I get some negative feedback, it's going to, it's going to hurt me somewhere, you know, and I'm going to feel great if it does well. Um, but I, I have to sort of consciously, you know, not, not feed into that, you know, not feed energy into that. And, and instead recognizing that, 
sort of asking why, asking myself why I'm doing it and, and really trying to sort of narrow in on that. And, and really what it comes down to is, you know, we think, I think that's, you know, as creatives, as anyone, we, we think that what we want is the outcome. We think that, like you say, it's this thing of paradise, but it's like just, a, it's an illusion. And what we really like, the, the, the part that we really enjoy, I think the, the sort of the reason why we do you know, whatever creative pursuit that we, that we do, it's because it's because of the process. You know, there's a reason that you started making music and writing. There's a reason why I started animating. It's because we, on some level, we were drawn to it. Aside from any, you know, uh, outcome that it was going to give us, it was just like, you know, just like how you start drawing when you're a kid. You just like, oh, here's a thing. I can make a mark. Wow, look at this. I'm look at yeah. different colors, and you're not you're not thinking about like what it's gonna. You know, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint the Mona Lisa. You're just like making stuff happen and. And if you think about it, you know, 99.999% of your time as a creative, a creator is, is the process. Not, there's that one instant of like, it's out. And then you're still back into the thing again. So to put all of your happiness, you know, the idea that, that all of your worth and happiness comes from that one little speck, as opposed to the, the you know, the, basically the, the whole of it, which is just the process is you know I, I just try and remind myself of that and just be like just enjoy the process and when i'm when i'm enjoying the process then most of the time the work seems to be better than when i'm really focused on on the outcome totally and and you can still it's it's hard because it i think both can exist at the same time you can still have a certain level of you know uh technical focus okay i want this to be a certain level of aesthetic um, i want to get to this point and you can work towards a certain outcome while also not denying the process at the same time for me uh right now I'm, I'm writing a book and the main thesis of the book is that the creative process is the process of collaborating with ourselves so it's learning how to be our own partner in a group project and there's so many different parts of you that want to express yourself and that we feel like we deny and we accept it's, you know, there are certain parts that we're more eager to accept than, than other parts. Um, but that insight for me has changed the game because if my only goal is to work with myself during a, the art, then I can, I can never lose. And of course I have other goals. I want to put out music. I want to put out an album. I want to, you know, share my writing with people and I want it to all do well and be received well. Um, and so there's a, there's a, be, a chance of being able to validate all of those impulses at the same time. Um, while also realizing that we have a tendency to by default, almost be like vacuumed to focusing on the outcome only as if the outcome is the only thing that matters. Um, for me, the, the outcome is regardless of what it looks like, it's proof that I gave myself permission to create. And if I'm giving myself permission to create, then I'm giving myself permission to exist. And if I'm giving myself permission to exist, then I'm giving myself permission to uh, live in the body that I didn't ask to be born into, despite all the confusion that I felt for so many years, questioning, trying to have my art justify my birth. You know, it's like, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to write a song that would validate my existence um, so that I could feel like I was worthy of being born. But now creating can also be a place where um, I don't know if celebrate existence is the, is the right word, because there's a lot of things I don't want to celebrate about it. But it's almost like 
the creative uh, process is a place where I can learn to give my intuition space to exist in any form that it takes. And that is very liberating in the things that I make. And it's also very liberating for me to feel safe in the world, being the weirdo that I am and just being authentic. And there's no end point to that authenticity, but it can be someplace that I can feel safe enough to explore and discover. Beautiful, man. I th- I feel like we should we should tie it up there because that's such a beautiful way to end. I think you, you you summarized it beautifully. I completely like hundred percent agree with everything you said. So, like, where where can people find you? Can they find out more about you and and some of your work? Cool. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Jesse Sussman, and that's where I post a lot about um, helping creatives overcome the inner critic. Uh, if you'd like the things that you heard me say and you heard me and Tom discuss, then um, that's a place where you can find more of my writing. You can also find subscribe to my newsletter at jessiesussman.studio slash newsletter. The link to that is in my Instagram um, bio. And I have a podcast that's called Expression Over Perfection. And you can also find the link to that on my Instagram bio or search for it on any podcast app. And thanks for having me, Tom. This was awesome. And I really appreciate it. And looking forward to our next conversation. Beautiful, man. I appreciate you for being on. Like, uh, Thanks so much. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for sharing your experience. And um, yeah, man, thanks for doing what you do. I think you're sometimes putting stuff out in the world. I think you don't always know how much impact it's having but uh, you know i I, i'm pretty sure there's you know you're having a really positive impact on on people's lives so yeah thank you thank you keep it coming likewise i'll keep it up if you keep posting more episodes of creative weirdo all right you got a deal Deal? okay that's it thank you for listening to this episode of the creative weirdo If you'd like to stay informed about future episodes of the podcast and you'd like a little bit of weekly weirdness in your inbox, then you can go and sign up for my newsletter at tomcrate.com forward slash hello. And I'd love to hear from you too. Shoot me a message. What's your hidden superpower that maybe even you didn't know about? And how are you going to unleash it on the world? (laughs) 